The Human Podcast features weekly service audio from the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia. Please visit us at human.org. Thank you, John. I like how he can do that with no fingers there at the end. You just kept playing. So. so good morning, human. I'm uh, David Krober. I'm a member of this congregation, and I am your worship associate for today. Uh, on behalf of our service leader for today, Megan Curtis, uh, the Reverend Dave Dunn, who is still on study leave, our director of religious exploration and new mother, Lexi Tangney Brown. Yay. Uh, very good. Coda, right? Is that... Yeah, all right. Welcome, Coda. Um, our uh, special musical guest tonight is uh, John Pruitt. He's filling in for our music director, Alex Peach, and my fellow worships associates, the dedicated technical team that's making today's live stream possible. I'd like to welcome you all to the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation, which we lovingly call human. Yeah. Whoever you are, uh, whoever you love, where you are in your spiritual journey, you are welcome here. If there's anyone visiting us for the first time and you feel comfortable doing so, we'd love to have you stand and introduce yourself so that we can worship together as friends. Are there any visitors over here? Hi. Your name is Lara? Hilarious. Welcome. Good to see you. Any other visitors? All right. If there's anyone watching else on the live stream today, welcome, and we're glad you're here. Uh, so I've got a few announcements. So as I mentioned, uh, the Reverend Dave is still on study leave until August 6th. So we're continuing with our exciting lineup of guest speakers. Uh, most of them have been members of our own human congregation. Uh, if you're curious about the, uh, the schedule, I think next week is going to be John and Donna with a surprise service. Uh, and then we will start to get back into our normal uh, routine when Dave returns. Uh, you can also find that schedule, if you're ever curious, the Human Times is on our website, on the, on the uh, webpage, and you can see the schedule for the month and what will be coming up. Uh, the Human Times is in production for the month of August, so if you have stories that you'd like to add, things that are happening at Human, uh, what you've got planned over the next couple of months, your committee, your group, activities, uh, please uh, get those inf- um, items to Becky. You can send that at uh, newsletter at human.org. And if you have celebrations for the month, please send those to Mark Sewell at membership-tech at human.org. So a couple of RE announcements. So RE for our youth is going to start back up on August 13th. Uh, registration for the 2023-2024 year is open now. Parents should have received an email with a link for registration. If you haven't received that, please send an email to re at human.org and they will send you the link. Uh, We're also still looking for one more teacher. So if you're interested in working with middle schoolers, we'd love to have you. Uh, Training for RE teachers is going to be next Sunday, July 30th, after the service from 11 to 1. Lunch will be provided. Once again, email re at human.org if you'd like to learn more. Again, looking for a middle school teacher. Um, A good education can go a long way to lift people up and create a more egalitarian and just society. Children should not be anxious about whether they have the tools they need to succeed. 
So along those lines, Pat Shea and Mary Beth Stevens are working with the children today to collect back-to-school items and backpacks for our friends at North Fulton Community Charities. Uh, we hope um, your children are participating in that. If you've got questions, they're out in the uh, fellowship hall putting those backpacks together. Uh, there's going to be some other fun things to do today, including ice pops. Uh, you're welcome. If you brought things to, to donate, if you didn't have anything or didn't have time to go shop, you can um, uh, just donate the money to Mary Beth, and that's through Venmo or PayPal. Venmo and PayPal. Yep, she'll do that. So after the service today, we've got a couple things going on. We're going to have service reflection downstairs. That's where we just get together and informally talk about today's service. Uh, there's going to be music share here in the sanctuary. So if you brought your instruments, please join in. If you didn't bring, but you just want to participate, we'd love to have you do that as well. And then uh, John Burkhart uh, from our Earth Ministry is going to be staffing a table outside. He's trying to gather support for EPA action to limit power plant climate pollution. Uh, so please stop by and fill out a postcard. We're trying to get the EPA to enact uh, limits on that. I think that's it. Any other announcements that I've missed? All right, let's greet one another in the hand of friendship. So our chalice lighting today is from UU minister Leela Derlin-Jones. Megan, can I get you to... As we light this flame, we remember friends and loved ones near and far, and we give thanks. As the fire burns brightly, we open our minds and hearts to new ways of being, and we feel alive. As the room glows with warmth and kindness, we extend our circle ever wider to welcome those who want to come in, and we know love. In 94 through 55 BCE, Titus Lucretius, Roman philosopher and poet, posited, we are each of us angels with only one wing, and we can only fly by embracing one another. The Romans had taken from the Greeks a profound sense of the importance and indeed the divinity of fraternity. For the sake of this sermon, we choose to understand that while early Western culture was often dominated by the patriarchy, today we can mentally include women in the discussion, even if they're not usually mentioned. It sat at the center of their philosophy. It was considered one of the primary traits that separated man from beast. They told stories about it, revered it, studied it giving it labels for more complete understanding. In his work, The Nicromantian Ethics, Aristotle used books eight and nine to define three important types of friendships. One, friends for pleasure. These are social bonds established to enjoy one's spare time, such as friends for sports or hobbies, dining or parties. Two, friends for benefit. Oh, come on, play with me, people. That definitely would have gotten a chuckle, okay? 
Yeah, thank you. That was much better. Uh, not those kind. Um, all bonds for which cultivation is primarily motivated by work-related reasons or by civic duties, such as being friends with your colleagues or neighbors. Three, true friends. According to Aristotle, these are mirrors to each other and a single soul dwelling in two bodies. For me, this brings up two thoughts. <clears throat> One, why do we need friendship when we may have a significant other? And two, and in an increasingly segmented society where keyboard interactions are the norm, are, they, are these, especially the last one, even possible anymore? Have we forgotten? The first question was answered, I think, especially easily and with a profound truth that resonates with the soul by Roman Stoic Seneca the Younger. Friendship always benefits. Love sometimes injures. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> Done. That settles that for me, at least. But the second question is trickier. What can we do in today's fast-paced, isolating society to keep each other close and remember the true meaning of the word friend? I teach literature. That means that my language of understanding the human experience is story. For me, the stories of our culture, as long as we do not stop reading them or begin banning them or do not lose our power to read them with skill and understanding, are full of examples of inspiring friendships. The friendship outlined in Homer's The Iliad between Odysseus and Diomedes is one of my favorites. The Greeks are surrounded by the armies of Troy, pushed to the very edge of their camp, and the ocean by a determined and talented Hector. Achilles, pouting because he's lost his slave girl and because he's doomed to die, has taken his toys and gone home. The elder Nestor knows that all that can save them now is spycraft. He goes immediately to the fearless and physically talented Diomedes, who volunteers immediately and without thought, but who also says he will not go without his friend the yen to his yang, the brains to his brawn. Odysseus agrees immediately. Later, when cowardly Paris has pinned Diomedes to the ground with an arrow to the foot, because he was too cowardly to face him in hand-to-hand -hand combat, the entire Trojan army advances on this one fierce and very effective Greek warrior. But if they are gonna finally kill this fearless fighter, they'll have to go through Odysseus first. When he steps in front of his friend, his only thought is, there are worse reasons and ways to die. Is it wrong that I love that? So violent, masculine, <laughs> it's like my favorite thing ever. Two, the friendship chronicled by Jane Austen in her work, Emma, between unlikely sisters from another mister, the privileged entitled Emma, and the abandoned orphan Harriet Smith. Harriet is in love, 
but trusting in the wisdom of her socially superior best friend, it denies it until Emma finally realizes that despite her best intentions, she might actually be doing harm to someone she really cares about. Finally admitting, Harriet, you must be the best judge of your own happiness. And last, but certainly not least, the forbidden friendship between Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn chronicled in Mark Twain's two novels, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Tom, from a respectable family, is ordered to steer clear of the unwashed, uneducated, foul-mouthed son of the abusive town drunk. He does anything but listen to that directive. He is Huck's only friend. And when he falls in love for the first time, Huck is depressed. He tells Tom he'll be lonely when he marries Becky Thatcher. Tom quickly comforts him, assuring Huck that he's going to come live with them too. He does not, of course, run this idea by Becky, but I always assumed that was a conflict for a later novel. He also refuses to be fawned over after the town discovers he's not dead unless and this is a quote, someone has to be happy to see Huck Finn first. The widow promptly answers the call. Tom Sawyer is annoying and naughty, and there are definitely times in those books we want to reach in and strangle his imaginary neck, but he knows how to be a friend. And he teaches it to Finn so completely that by the end of Huck's journey, after he spent almost the entire book at war with himself about whether Jim was property or person, he discovers Jim has been sold back into slavery, and he agonizes about what to do. Write a letter to tell Jim's owner where he is. The fugitive slave laws, after all, clearly taught that Finn had been accomplice to what accounted for a 19th century American carjacking, or sell his soul to the devil. The churches, after all, were preaching that helping a runaway slave was a transgression against God's law. Thou shalt not steal. And we get this. So I was full of trouble, full as I could be. And I didn't know what to do, and at last I had an idea, and I says, I'll go write that letter and then see if I can pray. Why, it was astonishing. The way I felt, light as a feather, right straight off, all my trouble's gone. So I got a piece of paper and a pencil, all glad and excited, and I sat down and wrote, Miss Watson, your runaway slave Jim is down here two miles below Pikesville, and Mr. Phelps has got him, and he'll give him up for the reward if you send. Oh. I felt good and all washed clean as in for the first time I'd ever felt so in my life, and I knowed I could pray now. But I didn't do it straight off, but laid that paper down and sat there thinking, thinking of how good it was that this happened so, and how near I come to being lost and going to hell. And I went on thinking. And I got to thinking over our trip down the river, and I see Jim before me all the time. 
in the day and then the nighttime, sometimes moonlight, sometimes storms, and we are floating along, talking and singing and laughing. But somehow, I couldn't seem to strike no places to harden me against him, but only the other kind. I'd see him standing my watch on top of his instead of calling me so I could go on sleeping. And I see him how glad he was when I come back out of the fog and when I come to him again in the swamp up there where the feud was and such like times. And he'd always call me honey and pet me and do everything he could think of for me and how good he always was. And at last... I struck the time I saved him by telling the men we had smallpox aboard, and he was so grateful. He said, I was the best friend old Jim ever had in the world, and the only one he's got now. And then I happened to look around and see that paper. It was a close place. I took it up and held it in my hand, and I was trembling because I'd got to decide forever betwixt two things, and I knowed it. I studied a minute, sort of holding my breath, and then I says to myself, all right then, I'll go to hell, and tore it up. It was awful thoughts and awful words, but they was said, and I let them stay said, never thought no more about reforming. I shoved the whole thing out of my head, said I'd take up wickedness again, which was in my line being brung up to it, and the other weren't. And for a starter, I'd go to work and steal Jim out of slavery again, and if I could think up anything worse, I'd do that too, because as long as I was in and in for good, I might as well go the whole hog. <laughs> America. <laughs> Look, um, don't lose hope, friends. Sometimes our poets do it right. There are also stories in our culture full of dire warnings against the transgression of, fr of friendship. One, if you take into account God's punishment of setting the mark and banishing Cain from banishment, his answer to Cain's snarky question, am I my brother's keeper in the Torah, is a resounding yes. Two, in the New Testament, Judas Iscariot takes his own life after betraying his friend in the garden for 30 pieces of silver. Three, my favorite, perhaps, is Dante. In his first part of the divine comedy, Inferno, who is in the last and most torturous ring of hell? Satan, of course, trapped in ice for all eternity because he transgressed against his fraternity to God. While he slowly and for eternity chews in horrible torture, Judas, who we've already mentioned, and Brutus, you know, the betrayer of his friend, Julius Caesar. It gives new meaning to Etu Brutai. The worst of the worst, even murderers and thieves have a better fate than those who transgress against friends. We can surmise, therefore, that tropological evidence leads us to an understanding of friendship as divine sacred, holy, to the human experience, not to be put by. We have to love one another, 
Sometimes put the needs of our friends before our own. Sacrifice is sometimes needed. As Ralph Waldo Emerson reminded us, we live in succession, in division, in parts, in particles. Meantime, within men is the soul of the whole, the wise silence, the universal beauty to which every part and particle is equally related, the eternal one. Please join me in reading uh, The Extinguishing of the Chalice, which is printed in your order of service. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. I just want to leave you today with another story that involves the wisdom of my mother. She adamantly maintains to this day that each one of us in a lifetime gets a dog. We may add to our families over a lifetime, but she asserts that only one will ever be truly meant for us individually. I think she would be okay here if you inserted cat, turtle, bird, pig, pick your poison. This one will fill our soul in times of need. Know when we need them and teach us lessons that'll help us be better humans. Sometimes it's difficult for us to make friends with other humans, especially if we suffer from trauma or if we're neurodivergent or we struggle with extreme shyness. I encourage you as we leave today to expand your sense of what is friend. Maybe one of the sacred duties of being human, of celebrating this life we have been given, is to go forth, break ropes, take a chance, risk hurt, and find friends in whatever form they come. Have a great week, everyone.
the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia, thanks you for listening to the Human Podcast. Background music, courtesy of Tim Moore from Pixabay.